the way that I see it is it's all the same work. The work that I'm doing in my home of raising my children and the work that I'm doing when I sit down and write or the work that I'm doing when I go in and take care of patients, it's all helping to bring love and hope and healing to this world. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle. We serve a multifaceted God, a God that we are created in the image of. So why would we think our majestic God would make us any different? To believe that there are only one or two dimensions to us or one or two callings that he may have placed on our life is just a little silly. We're built for many such a time as this moments with the numerous hats we wear. Meredith Boggs is an author, mom, critical care transport nurse, and sexual assault forensic nurse examiner. She is a multifaceted soul who wears numerous hats with grace. When thinking about interviewing Meredith, I could have gone in many directions. But the most interesting Holy Spirit-led thought was for Meredith to share her intriguing roles in life and how faith is woven into every aspect. From being a devoted mom to navigating the intricate world of forensic nursing, her faith serves as a guiding light in it all. I couldn't resist exploring the depth of her journey, and in our conversation, we uncover how her faith has shaped her career path. We dive into the intersection of justice and faith in her role as a forensic nurse examiner and explore the pivotal moments where her faith significantly influenced her approach to work. Meredith's wisdom extends to lessons learned from human struggles and how faith plays a vital role in addressing them. We even dive into how she juggles motherhood, writing, nursing, and advocating for justice, all while keeping her spirit grounded. So join Meredith and me as we uncover the beauty of faith interwoven in every role we embody, discover how we can maintain harmony amidst life's varied callings, and how to have your faith influence all that you do. Hey, Meredith, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it is so great to have you on. I followed you for a while, and I believe I first got connected to you through Compel, the organization oh, yeah. Compel. Yes. And I think that's how I found out about you. And then you went on to win a big award and get your book published. And so it's been so cool to follow you through all of this time. And when I was prepping for this interview, man, you have so many different facets of your life and different roles that you play. It was so interesting and so intriguing. And I was like, I could take this a million different ways. And I think what I really heard from the Lord was, I want you to address all of it. And I want you to address how I fit into all of it and how her faith fits into all of it. So if it's okay with you, I think that's where we're going to go with this conversation today. Let's do it. Awesome. 
Well, I would love for you to get us started by really telling us about yourself and some of those roles that are in your life. Yeah. So I'm Meredith. I tell people I was lucky enough to be born in my favorite city, Nashville, Tennessee. My dad had a dream of being a songwriter. And um, when he and my mom got married, he had that itch that he just, he needed a scratch. And my mom was like, let's go to Nashville. So that was 37 years ago. And fast forward, that's why I'm here today. And um, so it's been, it's been really sweet. There've been a lot of really fun for full circle moments kind of coming into my age of being a published author um, and having that kind of as my dad's legacy. So born and raised here. I am married. My husband, Justin, also grew up in Nashville and we've been married for 10 years. We have two little boys, Jack and Gus. They are two and a half and eight months. So life is really very sweet and it is also a little sleepless and tiring some days, but you just wouldn't trade it for the world. My first book published in January, it is called The Journey Home, A Biblical Guide to Using the Enneagram to Deepen Your Faith and Relationships. And like you mentioned, it came through the Compel Pipeline. So that was a huge honor um, for my book to be chosen for publication. And I kind of been like on the blogging, podcasting trajectory for several years now with the goal of publishing a book or several. Um, so got my first one under my belt and people are like, what are you working on now? And I'm like, I am working on staying alive every day because... <laughs> I got a call while I was in the hospital with my first son being born from Meredith Brock with Compel. And she was like, hey, I'm here at Pub Board with Thomas Nelson. They want you to tweak a few things about your proposal. Can you get that to me by the end of the week? And I was like, I got to get it to you by the end of the day because I'm pretty sure I'm having a baby today. So it's funny. So I had my first son, got the book deal, wrote the book. And then my second son kind of bookended it. He was born six weeks after the launch. So I tell people, I'm like, I'm not currently writing a book now. I am just taking a breath from the last couple of years. Um, but I do have, I do have more ideas. I do have more in the pipeline, but, um, but in its time. And then the other part um, of my life, I, my night job, I tell people is that I'm a nurse. I have been a nurse for 12 years now. And I've worked ER, ICU. I currently work in critical care transport and as a forensic nurse examiner. So I take care of patients that are victims of violent crime, sexual assault, and um, provide them with those medical and forensic services. So yeah, that's the other hat that I wear when I'm not writing or when I'm not momming. And so life is busy and full and it's really, really sweet. Oh, it sounds like such a fun and joyful full plate. And I have to say, I love your kids' names. They're Thank just you. Together. It's so cute. Jack <laughs> and Gus. You. I love it. I love Thank it. You. My goodness. Like as a mom of two and just knowing the craziness of two youngins to do your book proposal and then finish the book and have both babies in between. I birthed a business in between. Yes. The same. I had a real baby and a business baby in the same yes. year. So I kind of get your, yes, totally, <laughs> get your life there. Totally get it. Yes. You know, it's so sweet. I wanted to have my first book published before I became a mom and I wanted to be a mom. I knew that I always did, but I had this really intense fear that it was going to take over my life and I was going to like lose myself and I wouldn't have time for anything. And it's so funny because like kind of in a way it, it does, it takes all of your time, but in the best way. And then you just look back, you know, we're those classic parents now and we're like, what did we ever do before we had kids? I guess we just slept. I guess we did nothing. But I remember feeling like I needed to get my first book published before I became a mom to get that under my belt, to kind of know what was happening. And it was really just so sweet and God's providence and kindness that he was like, no, we're going to do these parallel. That way you have no other choice, but to rely on me because you were like, we're done striving in your own strength. You need to find me as your source and your grace and your portion for every day. And so I just look back and I'm like, man, there was no other way that you could have grown me or taught me what you needed to teach me in that season than just kind of throwing me into it. So I'm just really grateful. He's been so kind and 
But yeah, you know the craziness of it too, whether it's a book or a business, it's another baby that you're bringing into the world. So it's wild. Yeah, that you love and care for. And yeah, I know I I have this battle with the Lord. Like I'm like, really, do you have to just load it all on at the same time? You know, I'm battling through it. But I think it's that blessing of that, you know, hindsight is 2020. And we see that all the time in faith of like, man, you just see where he was there. And that just brings your faith so much stronger and closer yeah. to the Lord. But yeah, it doesn't make it easier. Yeah. And you have to give him the glory for it. It's like, mm-hmm. I didn't do this on my own strength. Like it was you. And I think that's just his kindness that he never lets us, he never lets us get to that point where we, you know, get all high and mighty and we think, oh, look at me, look at all this. It's like, no, this was undeniably God. There was no other way this would have happened except for him. Yeah. And I think in his loving way, that's protecting us from what Mm -hmm. we could do, that Mm -hmm. self-destruction of that pride and ego and like where that road would take us. Like, you know, he is protecting us from that by saying like, no, 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 like stop your striving. I am protecting you. Like rely on me. One, you know, I'm God, so rely on me. But two, like, I love you so much. I don't want you to go down that path. I know what that path looks like. And it's not for you, girl. Yes. Wow. Wow. You, yeah, yeah. You have a journey and you have so many roles. And I just love how your journey really embraces faith and professional endeavors. So how has your faith really shaped your career path? Because you have like two distinct different paths. I'm sure they intertwine differently, but how has it really shaped your career path, particularly like in your writing and then your nursing? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think for a lot of years, I felt like they were very separate and kind of almost like I needed to keep those parts of my life separate. That Like I wouldn't go to my job as a nurse and talk about being a writer and, you know, vice versa. Like I didn't write about nursing. I didn't talk about that. And really only recently have started to talk about it a little bit more because I've realized that they're interwoven for a reason. God put me on this earth doing both at this time. Both are shaped by the other. And so I go back to this quote by Frederick Buechner a lot. And um, it says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I ran across that quote when I was in high school. And that just always felt like my professional mantra of sorts that it was like, oh, what I end up doing in this world, whether it's writing, whether it's nursing, whether it's raising my children, it's a place where my deep gladness and the skills and what I'm gifted at meets a deep hunger in the world. And I think Colossians 3.23 also speaks that, you know, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord. And professional trajectories, you can be in some kind of formal ministry role But even if you're in the secular workspace, it is just as much a ministry, um, if not more sometimes, because you're not, you're not walking into a church, you're not walking into a nonprofit, you are walking out into the world to be the salt and light. And so, yeah, I think for me, it's just been really sweet to see how God has used my skills and passions over the years and how it keeps intersecting with my faith to carry out the work. And so I think, you know, whether I am putting on scrubs and going into the ER or, whether I'm sitting down to write a chapter that's very explicitly about faith and about the gospel, I think they're both equals in that it's like, this is ultimately doing the work of the kingdom. So just, yeah, trying to be faithful to that um, every day when I show up to work, whatever that work looks like. Yeah. And God's such a, he's a multifaceted God. You know, we are created in his image. And so we are all so different. Yes. And so what he's called us to can look different for us. You know, we're multifaceted people. You have so many roles. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're an author, you know, mm-hmm. like now a speaker with podcasts and stuff and a nurse, like, you know, all of that is made in God's image. And so to be able to have that faith in all those areas is amazing. Yeah. 
So we serve a just God. And so I Mm -hmm. think one of the unique things that I was looking at as I was doing research about you is just that forensic nurse examiner and how you specifically work with victims of sexual assault. And in your experiences with that, how do you see justice really intersecting with faith and seeing the Lord in that, especially in that context of how you're caring for those victims? Yeah, that's a great question. Gosh, it's like the longer I'm in this line of work, the more dark and terrible the world is and also the more hopeful it is. And it's like, I can't, I can't fix this. I can't fix any of it. Only God can. And one day he will make all that is wrong, right. And he will make all the sad things come untrue. I read that that line every night in my little two-year-old's storybook Bible, you know, he's making all the sad things come untrue. And I think the justice piece is a huge thing in our world, whatever it looks like, that it's sad things that we want to be made untrue. And you know, Isaiah talks about it. Micah um, 6, 8 talks about it. You know, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And I think for me, when I interface with that patient population, I think most of my colleagues that I work with, we are obviously patient-centered. We're advocates, but we also like, we have a justice piece. We want justice. And one thing that I've really learned is that I'm not the one that gets to decide what just is. And I think if you if you look at the character of God, his mercy and justice seem to be at odds with one another, but they're not. The thing that blows your mind, it's like, but you can't have one without the other. But then ultimately what I come down to is I just throw my hands and I'm like, God, I'm not you. I'm not you. I don't get to decide what justice is. I can do what is within my own human power, my own limits to seek that justice. But you are ultimately the one that brings it. And so I think when I interface with these patients, it's talking to them of what does justice look like for you? Does that look like going through this process, this exam? And then does this mean going through the judicial process, which could result in you may end up testifying. You may, there may be a plea deal that's worked out. What does justice look like for you? Or does justice look like you come in, we take care of your medical needs, and then you go home and you heal and you engage with community and family and a really good counselor and try to start picking up the pieces and healing and moving on with your life or not moving on. There's no moving on from it. You, you move forward. So yeah, I don't know the justice piece. It's a huge part of it. And ultimately I think as any other believer would in their line of work, it's like you, you show up and you try to seek the justice and correct the oppression that you see. And the oppression really is just this cruelty or this control that's wielded over another person. And yeah, with them, it's like, I can't change what happened to you, but I can walk with you and what you will decide to move forward and how, you know, what it looks like to correct that oppression. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a lot of, a lot of things thrown into that answer, but it's, it's complex and it's, and it's layered and, I think sometimes as the first responders or as bystanders, as friends and family, when we see an injustice happening, we so badly want to seek that justice in a way that feels just for us. But I always have to kind of stop and ask myself, I need to ask them what's justice for them. And ultimately, um, you know, open my hands up to God of like, you are ultimately just. And so I, I can do my work here and now in the world. But ultimately, you will make all the sad things come untrue because it can get it can get hard in in being in the world of a first responder um, in critical care, taking care of these patients that it's like you go in day after day and you're like, how is this still happening? How is like, you know, I, I interact sometimes with patients and I'm like, 
this is 2023 and this is still happening. Like what kind of world do we live in? And we live in a sinful world and we live in a hurting world with broken people that hurt other people. And it's hard to, to swallow that, to digest that. And so ultimately it's just, again, it's that posture of open hands, turning back to God and saying, I can't, but you can help me. And that faith that someday it will all be made right. And I think there's a beauty too, that he's placed you in that position, you know, and as you were talking, I was just thinking empowerment, you know, as you're, as you're giving it up to God and trusting him and trusting the victims to make what the decision is that's right for them, that's empowering them. You know, you're giving them the options and then you're empowering them to seek out what's going to help them move forward. And yeah, we're not going to see all the justice in the world. And there's, I don't think in those situations, there's never going to be a full amount of justice. Cause as you mentioned, it's like God can provide full healing, but I think, you know, they will always have that experience. And so just to trust the Lord that he will make it good. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And it's, you know, it's that thing too, that it's like, what even is justice? Like this was terrible. This happened. Like that would have been better if this had never happened, but because evil exists and because pain has entered the world and there has to be a penalty, there has to be justice, but yeah, it's messy. It's not always linear and clean cut, but I think that's a huge part of it is sitting there being present to their pain and having them really guide, guide what justice looks like for them. Even if I don't agree with it, or even if I wish that they would do something else, it's like, no, I would like for you to report to police and I would like for you to do this. You know, it's not up to me. I'm their advocate. I'm their, I'm their healthcare provider. So. Yeah. Yeah. Giving it up to God and giving a prayer. I'm just knowing that he'll correct it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I'm assuming, as we've been talking about, have so many different pivotal moments in your career, whether that's through the writing or that's through your nursing and experiences that you've just had. Where has your faith really significantly influenced how you approach that work, whether it's like a specific experience that you can think of or just in general, but how does it really influence your work and the decisions that you make and the things that you do? Yeah. You know, as any eager new grad, um, just was trying to learn everything that I could learn and I wanted to be the best I could be. And I still do. I think that whatever, again, going back to questions, whatever we do work at is as if we're working for the Lord, but I really struggled with knowing where to draw the lines between my own finiteness, um, versus God's sovereignty. And, couple years after we were married um, and had been practicing, my husband and I lived overseas for a year. We worked at a nonprofit hospital that provides medical and surgical care for orphan children. And it was wild. My colleagues and I sometimes talk about how COVID was the wild west and we were just doing all this crazy stuff. Like nobody knew what they were doing. We were just like just this grand experiment. And it's the only other time in my nursing career that I can really pinpoint that it's like, oh, Living in China, taking care of these kids felt like that. It felt like the Wild West of what are we doing? This is insane. That patient population, they were all orphans. So they didn't have parents that were there to say like, hey, you know what? We're going to transition to comfort care or like this has been a long battle. Like, yeah, we want to shift to palliative at this point. And so we, as the healthcare providers, were also making these really tough sort of end of life decisions and just decisions about how aggressively would we resuscitate these children um, and kind of to what end it's like, what quality of life are we giving them? Is this best for them? And so not only do we have the burden of providing the care, but we also were the ones that were really driving the care. And I just remember that that was probably, I think I was 
25 at the time, really wrestling deeply with God over like, I do trust your sovereignty and I cannot, I cannot reconcile the suffering of children in a world and a good God. Like, I do believe that you're God. I do believe that you're good. I do believe that you're sovereign. And this is just, there's no words for it. And so for me, that was a really influential year in my nursing practice and my faith. And when we, when we came home, I actually almost just left the nursing profession altogether. We moved back to Nashville, came back pretty burnout, depleted. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm done with this. And got a job in the ER working per diem just to like make some money for a couple months while I figured out what was next. That was like in my mind, what I was doing working in the ER. It's like, I'm going to just punch the clock, figure it out, take a breath. Um, It just, it kind of, it felt as much like a crash landing coming back to the States as it did moving there um, in the first place. But, you know, it was in that time that I think I was able to get a little space, rest, recover, heal, and practice again, start practicing in a place that was not quite as, I mean, it was, you know, you still run into tragedy. You still, there's still really sad and hard things, but just had a little bit of space, a little bit of breath and um, had some people start pouring in that really helped. Like, I don't know. I I think about that season as um, when Moses is standing with his arms stretched out when he got tired, Aaron and um, his friend, they're holding his arms up. I just felt like that was the season of my faith that it was like, I don't like, I don't have this on my own. Um, So it was other people there really holding me up, but that was a really pivotal part in my faith of just, I will never be able to really put it into words or explain it, but I just, I just trust the goodness of God and his sovereignty and the world was never supposed to be like this. Um, you know, sin was, sin did come into the world and, and God knew that God knew that from the beginning. It wasn't like he was shocked when Eve, you know, took a bite in the garden. It wasn't, he was like, oh no, plan B now. Um, it was like, he's never shocked by that, but this was also not the way that the world was intended to be. And so that gives me so much hope for the new heaven and the new earth that it's like, yeah, again, all the sad things are going to come in true. All the wrong will be made right. But looking back, that was a pretty pivotal moment. And, you know, I, there's, you know, there's conversations and there's certain patients that stick with you over time. I did have another case recently that, you know, and again, you look at it and you're like, thank you, Lord, for your kindness. And just thank you that this was happening to Meredith as a 33-year-old seasoned nurse instead of a 23-year-old one that was just out of school. But um, I testified um, in a case that was pretty horrific in a lot of ways and just pretty wild. And I remember testifying and then walking away from it and just feeling like I was so grateful that I was, I didn't carry the burden that it was like, I gave my testimony. I educated, I clearly spoke to the judge and the jury about my clinical findings. But at the end of the day, I was able to step down, go home to my husband, to my little one. My second son wasn't born at the time and just, and just rest that it was like, I've done all that I can do. I've done what you asked me to do. And, you know, from there, I don't have control over the outcome. And so again, just kind of going back to that sovereignty of God and ultimately trusting him. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I think we all go through those experiences where we do question, you know, because we see just the pain and the hurt in the world and experience it ourselves. And we're like, wow, why, how, and why you could, you could stop this in a half a second, you know, just a quick 
snap at your fingers and it would be done, Lord. And you question that, but it was a choice we made as humans. You know, it was Eve, Adam and Eve, but it was a choice that they made and then now comes down to us. And, and he is a good God. And like you said, he does not want that. That was not the original plan for us, but he's already created a plan for us to be there again one day. You meet so many different types of people in different areas. I'm sure different types of struggles, different family units, different backgrounds of experiences and careers and whatever it may be. I mean, you are in like that melting pot of what just humanity is. What has your experiences really taught you about the struggles that we all have and really how how God plays a role in that? You know, I think if you step foot into any hospital, especially the emergency department, the emergency department is the ultimate equalizer. And I love the ER. I always tell people I grew up in the ICU. I was an ICU girl and ER and ICU nurses are very different. They're both very smart, very skilled, great at what they do, but there's not a lot of crossover because it's very different beasts that they deal with. And so I was an ICU girl. I loved it. And I was like, I will never work in the ER. It was also very terrifying for me. I was like, I cannot do that much chaos. And it's just uncontrolled all the time. And then fast forward, worked in China. And my husband was like, I think you should give the ER a shot. He was a born and raised ER nurse. Um, He doesn't practice anymore, but he was like, you have what it takes. And so I was like, you know, again, in my little season where I was like, I'm just going to do this and then change careers. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh yeah. And now I work in EMS and it's kind of just a wild extension of the ER. But I always think about the ER as the ultimate equalizer. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your social status, your economic status. It doesn't matter who you are, who you know. The ER is the ultimate equalizer. The common denominator is that most everyone in the ER is having the worst day of their life. And they're there and they're looking for the same thing. They're looking for healing and they're looking for hope. And as a believer, we know that Jesus is ultimately our source of both healing and hope. But I think for my work as a nurse, you interface with people all day long that are struggling physically. They're struggling emotionally. That's why they're there to see you as patients. And they're looking for that healing and hope, but you, you can't offer them the healing and the hope that's found in Jesus until you have met those physical needs that they're there for. You know, I think Jesus in the new Testament, when he interacts with people that he heals, a lot of times he asks them, he says, do you want to be made well? But he doesn't just heal them. He doesn't just forgive their sins, which is the ultimate spiritual healing, but he heals their their physical ailments too. And so I just, you know, I, I think about that a lot with patients that I know a lot of them, what they ultimately need is the hope and the healing of Jesus. And they can't even get there until their literal gaping wounds and profuse bleeding or whatever it is has been tended to until that has been healed. And so, yeah, you know, to me, it's one of those things that it's like, we're all looking for the same thing, healing and hope. And the ER is one of those places that as wild and as dark and as sad as it can be, it is, it is, it can be found there. Um, And sometimes the physical healing is the first stepping stone in that journey. Yeah. I just look at hospitals and especially the ER is the ultimate equalizer. It's the even playing field for all. Yeah. Healing and hope when you said it the first time, just brought tears to my eyes because I was like, man, that is what our Lord provides mm-hmm. is healing and hope. And he provides that now, you know, because he's not, he's here with us, but he's not physically here with us yeah. right now. He provides that through you and the other individuals that, you know, that you work with. And then he provides that ultimate 
hope Mm -hmm. and healing. And that's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. What a unique privilege to have, you know, as you're doing that role. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think I work with a lot of people and and it's not, it sounds really beautiful and spiritual and uh, you get into it a lot of days and it's not. And like, and people are human. And I have dealt with my fair share of people that I have not responded in the most Christ-like manner, but I think you do it long enough and you're like, okay, I'm getting on the verge of burnout. I need to take some time for myself. I need to, you know, it's just like any other work that it's like, you have to, you have to keep your cup full in order to be able to pour it out to other people. But it's just like any other work that, that people are doing in the world. It's hard and holy work. And we're out there trying to bring hope and healing to a lost world. And again, we can sit here and talk about it and it it is beautiful and it sounds beautiful. And then when the rubber meets the road, it's, it's hard. And I think amidst it being hard, God's kindness is so, it's just so apparent and just how he uniquely gifts people and sustains them that it's like, he would not have ever called us to work that we were incapable of doing. He equips us calls us, he equips us and he sustains us to do it. I'm thankful for that on a lot of days when it doesn't feel as easy to get up and go do it. Yeah, but it is. And I think that can dovetail into like your role as a mom and a writer, you know, and just like that advocate for those people. Like we're, we're human, you know, we hit burnout. We can't handle it. I mean, we can handle it with God, but it doesn't feel like we're handling it all the time. So how do you find that, like that harmony if there is one or kind of that like balance among your various callings that you have right now? Yeah. You know, I think for a while I used to kind of see them separate, like each one was a separate hat or a separate lane. Um, And they're really not. It's the same work that's being carried out. It just looks different. And so they, they don't compete. Everyone has human limitations. And so, you know, I'll wake up tomorrow morning at six, take care of my kids. I'll go into work at noon and I'll work till midnight. I'll wake up on Thursday and wake up, cook, go have Thanksgiving with family. And I'm going to feel really exhausted. And I know that that's okay. That's life. And so sometimes it feels like they're competing. It's like, well, I'm working and it's taking time away from this. and I'm not with my kids and I'm not getting ready for Thanksgiving. And so sometimes it does feel like they compete. But in reality, the way that I see it is it's all the same work. The work that I'm doing in my home of raising my children and the work that I'm doing when I sit down and write or the work that I'm doing when I go in and take care of patients, it's all helping to bring love and hope and healing to this world. It just looks different. So yeah, you know, I think life and having little ones and working in healthcare gives you a lot to pay attention to and a lot to learn from. And if you let it, it will teach you a lot. So yeah, I I try to just look at it as, okay, I'm going to wake up. What am I going to learn today? I had that mindset a lot early on in nursing. And I think it really shaped my trajectory that every day when I clock in, you know, we have our daily duties, we check off our unit, we check our supplies, we make sure that, you know, we have enough fuel, we make sure all these things. And then I read a new article every day that I'm on shift. And some days it's riveting. It's like, oh my goodness, this is going to change my practice today. And then other days it's like, cool. That's great. That's just another piece of knowledge to tuck in there. Maybe I'll use it a couple of years down the road, but having this mindset of like, I want to keep learning and paying attention to practice standards, to what's going on in the world um, of healthcare has really helped me translate that into other areas of my life too, of waking up. And, you know, this morning it is dark and it is dreary in Nashville and 
both my kids were up in the night and they were up early and I was really tired this morning. But as I was sitting there this morning, trying to drink my coffee and have a quiet time, which everyone with little ones knows that it is the most not quiet, quiet time. I was just looking at them and I was like, man, God, what do you want to teach me today? Because there's so much to learn in where you are. And so I think for me, that's another piece of how I find that harmony and that balance between all of them is they're all just, they're teaching me and in their own way, sanctifying me and refining me and making me more like Christ if I am open and willing to to do that. Wow. That one question of like, God, what do you want to teach me today? What is it that you're teaching me? And that that's just like a perspective shift for sure. And yeah. how all of it kind of blends together because we do like to silo things in my brain for yes. sure. I love to silo like, you know, I'm okay, put on my mom hat and now I need to go put on my wife hat and I need to do all this. Yes. And it's like, no, I am one full Erica, fully created by our Lord and he wants me to learn and to be molded into who he is and really continue to do that until we get to meet him face to face one day. So, oh my gosh, yeah, that that hit really 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 deep for me. So, thank you for sharing that. Well, this has been amazing, Meredith. It's so good to finally connect with you yes. and meet you even though it's still virtual. I get to see your beautiful face. I would love for you to share with the listeners how they can connect with you and really grab a hold of your resources. I am on Instagram at Meredith W. Boggs. I was on TikTok a little bit about around book launch and then I had a baby and I don't think I've posted on there since then. So, uh, you know, I'll get back to it. And then um, my website is MeredithWBoggs.com. If you throw a slash links in there, it will take you to all the resources. Um, I've got several downloads and then there's information about my book and all, yeah, all the things. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, one more question for you. I want to know what brought you joy today. Oh, it brought me joy. I took my little boys to the gym on the days that I'm home um, and I'm mom all day. We sometimes go to the gym in the morning. The gym that I go to has classes and then has like an open gym time. And it's great because there's not other people. They're not bothering them. Um, but they think it's like this massive indoor playground. And so my little two and a half year old was practicing his handstands up against the wall and they're so much better than mine. And I, it just brought me so much joy. And I was just so, it, you know, it was like, oh, he's been watching people do that. He's been watching me do that. Again, it's something that teaches you about the rest of life. And it's like, oh, what are these things that he's just watching me do every day and learning? Um, but that gave me just a lot of joy seeing him run around and play. And he just thinks it's this big, fun place to explore. Um, so that brought me joy today. Oh, I love that. And incredibly impressive. Man, I haven't tried that. <laughs> In a while, my son asked me to do a cartwheel the other night, and I was like, I might hurt myself. I yeah, like, I know. I literally said that. I was <laughs> like, buddy, I don't know. I can literally feel my tailbone hurting as yes. I think about doing this cartwheel. <laughs> it's like, no, if I fall now, that's really not okay. So we can't no. do anything that might risk that. <laughs> yeah, like mom is out if this happens. So I was like, just give me a moment to give up, get up courage, and then we have to go outside in a very wide space <laughs> yes. and, and try it out. So that's my next thing. So I love Oh, I love I it. Love love that. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. Really appreciate you. And I can't wait to see where God takes you next. Thank you so much. Meredith's journey has illuminated the beauty of living out faith in every facet of life. Her story reminds us that our multifaceted nature reflects the boundless possibilities our Creator instills within us. Faith isn't confined to specific roles. 
It's a thread that weaves throughout every moment, every challenge, and every triumph. Let Meredith's insights resonate with you as you navigate your diverse paths, allowing faith to guide and shape each step. Remember, you are uniquely equipped for every role, every moment, and every God-sized dream. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle. 